I'd like to welcome you to our service. If you'd like to find your place in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7. This is another message in our Christmas series entitled Christmas According to Isaiah. And on Sunday mornings, we've been looking at Christmas according to the Gospels, according to John and then Mark and Luke. And then Lord willing, this Sunday, uh, we'll be looking to Christmas according to Matthew. And we're answering the question as to why did Jesus come? And that's our series on Sunday mornings. And, and in the Gospels, we find out clearly why Jesus came. And it wasn't so that we could have family get-togethers or exchange presents. No, he came very sp- for very specific reasons and to save us. And we needed a Savior. And uh, people need a Savior today. And I thank the Lord. He's allowed us this year here at Myrtle Beach to send out over 97,000 uh, gospel mailers this year. And we're, we're not done yet with the grace of God. If the Lord tarries, uh, we still have a few more days left. And we're praying to be able to reach that 100,000 mark. And that's, that's just one message per house here in the Myrtle Beach area for the entire year. And God has blessed us with this, um, this open door, if you would, of opportunity to be able to get the gospel out. And uh, on these two feet, of course, I couldn't get to every door and knock on every uh, one of those 100,000 doors. But through the mail, we're able to do that and get the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share with people the reason why he came. And I'm so excited for these opportunities that God has given us. And that's on top of our soul winning efforts and our other soul winning efforts, uh, knocking on doors and bus, bus ministry and missionaries through missions and, and then one-on-one soul winning and then just passing out tracts everywhere we go. And, but, you, but God has given us an open door and I, I'm great for that and and may the Lord help us here tonight as we look into these messages here on Christmas according to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 9 Isaiah chapter 9, and we have another prophecy here about the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah is going to give us a list of names of Jesus. And Mary and Joseph were told by the angel to call him Jesus, uh, where Jesus means Savior. And uh, our daughter opened up a checking account and uh, and my wife told her, said, you're welcome. And she said, for what? <laughs> and he said, but you're welcome that we didn't call you by your middle name. And uh, we called you by your first name. And it makes it a lot easier when you go to, to open up a checking account and other things like that. And apparently my generation, the generation that I was born in, uh, it was more common, I think, to call your children by their middle name. And I don't know if parents realized back then all the trouble that that causes later on for various reasons. And but uh, we just joked about that a little bit. I don't. I guess she got it. I don't know. But but as a Christian, it's so important to know Jesus and to know who He is, because the more you know Him, 
then the closer you will get to him, the more you will start acting like him, thinking like him, and simply being like him. And, and I promise you, the more you get to know Jesus, then the more you'll fall in love with him. If someone was to ask you, just a, a complete stranger, even maybe a, a friend, a co-worker, a family member, was to ask you, tell me about Jesus. Describe him to me. Introduce me to Jesus. Uh, t t tell me more about Jesus. T tell me who he is. What would you tell them? <laughs> Where would you start with your description of Jesus? Well, most likely you would start with his name. And then you would talk about who he is. Maybe you would go on then to, to talk about where he came from and how he came and why he came and who he came for and what he did for all men. Uh, my wife heard about me and when, before we, we had met, she'd heard about me through a friend and the first thing she, she knew about me was my name. She said, well, what's his name? And, uh, and she was just getting to know about me. And then next thing she asked, I think, was, uh, hey, what kind of car does he drive? <laughs> and uh, no picture of me, nothing like that, but just, you know, we'll know what kind of car I drove. And, and, uh, but then she asked, hey, what kind of hair does he have? And obviously, uh, there used to be more hair on top. And, uh, but if someone is to say they're a Buddhist, then they will share with you what they know about Buddha. If someone claims to be a Muslim, then they will talk to you about the prophet Muhammad. So what should a Christian speak about? Who should he speak of? Well, it's Christ. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, Paul said, hey, when I came to you, I was talking to you about one thing. I was talking to you about Jesus uh, and what he did for you, why he came, uh, who he is. Uh, he said, that's all I wanted to know. I just came to tell you about the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. When we go knocking on doors, uh, that's the, for one of the first things we tell people. I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. Uh, I'd like to share with you about Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm not here to talk about my church. Uh, I'm here to talk to you about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here in Isaiah chapter 9 we're given a list of names. Names of Jesus. In verse 6 of Isaiah 9 it says for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
Can I just say that if you was going to introduce someone to Jesus, uh, you could introduce them by the fact that he's wonderful. Oh, he's wonderful in his power to save. Uh, he's wonderful in his power in creation and preservation. Uh, oh, he's wonderful in his power to deliver, but also to destroy. Uh, not only is he wonderful in power, but he's wonderful in provisions. Uh, and God been good to you. Uh, oh, think about all the provisions and all the benefits uh, that God has loaded you down with. Uh, oh, and his provision of salvation, his provision of a way for us to have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Uh, can I just say God is wonderful. Jesus is wonderful today. Oh, not only is he just wonderful in his power and his provisions, but he's wonderful in his presence as well. Uh, oh, I'm telling you, I'm so glad that he is with us. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, not only that, he's, pro he's wonderful in his protection. Hey, can you testify tonight that God has protected you time and time again? Not only that, he's wonderful in his promises. All the promises of God and the, the most precious promise that we look forward to now is the one of his soon return. Not only that, he's wonderful in his word and many more things I could talk about. How Jesus is wonderful. The second word we come to, the second name we come to, it says Jesus is the counselor. You know, the Bible speaks of many counselors and there's one in particular in the New Testament that's associated with the, the death of Jesus Christ there is Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible says that he was a honorable counselor and, and it tells us that he was a good man, that he was a just man, even though for a certain period of his life he chose to be a secret disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. But he was faithful to God because he had not consented to what the others were doing when it came to the crucifixion. And as a counselor... A good counselor, honorable counselor. Joseph had influence with Pilate. And when Jesus had died on the cross, uh, he, he wanted, he, he asked for the body of Christ. Uh, he came out and made himself a full known, well known uh, disciple of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea was a good person that made right decisions in his life, especially the decision to put his faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. And can I just say tonight that if you've never done that, that's the most important decision that you will ever make, is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, the Bible gives us examples of other counselors as well who did not always give the right advice or the right counsel to others. Uh, when Abraham advised his wife, Sarah, to say that she was his sister because he feared the, the men of the land there instead of fearing God and trusting God. And it didn't turn out too good for Abraham. And, and then you have Jonadab. The Bible says he was a subtle man and, and he was counselor, advisor, if you would, to one of the sons of David, Amnon, and, and he, he was wicked. He was wicked uh, a man there, and he, he was not a good counselor. Oh, Job's friends, they, they were full of counsel and full of advice, but they were all wrong. And then Job's wife, why don't you just curse God and die? Here again, we see a bad counselor, Jezebel, Oh, how she pushed Ahab to be more wicked than any other king. She influenced him. She counseled him 
with bad advice. And I could go on and on with the list of people here that were bad counselors in the Bible. But Jesus, he is the counselor. He is a perfect counselor who cannot make mistakes. Hey, all of his advice is good. and Through his word, he gives us everything that we need for this life and for all eternity. Jesus, the counselor, not only gives us good advice, but he gives us perfect peace to go with that advice. Uh, I, I've been counseled before and I sought counsel from different play people and things on different subjects and I wasn't totally convinced that they knew what they were talking about. And, and you know, I didn't have peace with the counsel that I got so I continued to search and seek for, for, for more counsel. You know, we get estimates, you know, for certain jobs that need to be done around the house or even here at the church, different projects, and, and we'll get counsel for that. And we'll get estimates and have people come in and say, well, this needs to be done, that needs to be done. And, and then also when it comes to sickness, we'll, we'll go to several doctors to get second opinions. We're looking for counsel and advice. When we were church planners in Canada, I had a problem with one of my trucks, and with my, my truck there, and and uh, I had to uh, look it up on the internet, and I had I got counsel from the internet on what some expert or some mechanic thought that might be the problem there. Of course, they didn't see the vehicle, so but I could look and tell, you know, that that was kind of similar to this to what I was going through with my vehicle. And then I took it to my mechanic, and he gave me a totally different story. I mean, a totally different diagnosis, if you would. And and uh, and I, I just didn't have peace about what he was telling me. So later on, I wound up fixing the problem myself and I took the counsel that I'd received off the internet there and, and it fixed the problem. But with Jesus, uh, with his counsel, he'll give us peace and direction for our lives. And through his word, we can know that the will of God is perfect and acceptable for us. You know, the only time that you will not have peace with the counsel that Jesus gives you is if you're in disagreement with his counsel. When we rebel against his word and will for our lives, uh, you will not have peace when you go against uh, his word. His counsel not only gives us peace and gives us direction, but he's a counselor and a counsel that gives us confidence and courage to act by faith. It is in his counsels that we'll find wisdom to live by. In Job chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man, and there can be no opening. You know, as someone grows older and they've had a lot of life experience, uh, they should have more knowledge about life. But without wisdom, that person will not know how to put that knowledge uh, into practice. You can go to school, you can go to college, university, and you can learn a lot, but it's with age that comes discernment and wisdom. 
My grandfather lived to be 93 years old and he didn't have much education. Uh, he may have went through the 8th grade there, I don't know, but one thing he did have from living all those years, he had wisdom and discernment and he also had common sense, which seems like not many people have that anymore today. But he had wisdom and he had discernment and he shared things with me and with many others, uh, but, but now he's no longer with us. I wish I could remember everything he ever taught me or shared with me. I remember some things, but you know, there is an end uh, to wisdom with man. Our wisdom comes to an end. But it says in verse 13 here, in Job 12 there, 13, it says, With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. You can trust Jesus, the counselor. Why? Because he's the ancient of days. He is the God of eternity. In him is wisdom and strength, and no one can defeat him. If he breaks it down, no one can rebuild. He shutteth up a man, then no one can open it. God told the church in Philadelphia that he set before them an open door. In Revelation 3, 8, it says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Oh, the church at Philadelphia, they were living in a time amongst all these other churches where many of them had erred from the truth. Many of them had problems, and Jesus had wrote to them that they needed to repent of those problems uh, but yet they were standing strong uh, they were standing uh, in the counsel of Jesus Christ uh, in the will of God and obeying the word of God uh, they stood strong while others had veered off uh, course uh, and can I just say that it's possible today uh, that in the Laodicean time that we're living in uh, it's possible to be right with the Lord uh, and, be, and do all that we should be doing according to the the will and word of God. It's still possible to have an open door from God even in the perilous times that we're living in. Boy, I thank God for the open doors that he's given us here. Oh, he allows us to have a bus ministry and I'm so thankful for that bus ministry, that open door to be able to go out in our community and, and reach out to families with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, the fact that we're still able to go door knocking and soul winning and, and we're able to mail out all these gospel mailers that I mentioned at the beginning of the service. Uh, can I just say God has given us an open door. And I'm so glad. In Proverbs 21.30 it says, There is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. There's another reason why you can trust him. You know, at the Tower of Babel they thought that they were smart and that they came up with a plan to rise up to the level of God. Oh, they were rebellious to the will of God, but they thought that they were wise. And they even all agreed to the fact of thinking that they were wise. But right here is they did not have enough wisdom or understanding to counsel against the Lord. If we want right advice, then we need to go to the person 
to whom wisdom and understanding belongs. The Bible tells us in Psalms 119.24, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Hey, you want to know how to handle a situation? Go to the Word of God. I'm going to God in prayer, and if I want right counsel, I'm going to go to Him in prayer, but I'm also going to open up the Word of God, and I'm going to look for what God has to tell me. Peter said in John chapter 6 and verse 68, uh, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter acknowledged there was none other. (laughs) There was none other in which the words of eternal life existed. When when Peter, I mean, when Paul wrote to the Galatians, uh, he said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth uh, crucified among you. Uh, what happened here? They listened to the wrong counsel. Oh, they were, they, and that counsel, that it didn't come from out there in the world. It came from within a Christian environment uh, and people had infiltrated this group uh, with thoughts that did not come from God. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Word of God, which is our counsel, the Word, Jesus. Jesus, the counselor. You can trust him. In Isaiah 9, 6, it goes on to say, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. And I like this one, the Mighty God. Oh, he's strong in battle, and he's victorious. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as, as ye know that your labor is not in vain, And the Lord, since Jesus is the mighty God and we are in him, then through him we have the victory. There is victory in Jesus. We can be steadfast. We can be unmovable. We can always abound in the work of the Lord for as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because he's Jesus, the mighty God. Oh, even in the days of we're living in. We are more than conquerors. Oh, I'm glad for that truth. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Romans 8 and verse 33. It says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us 
us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the mighty God. Hey, we are more than conquerors through him that has won the victory. And not only has he won the victory, but I'm so glad that he intercedes for us. I'm happy to know that there is one who is stronger than my adversary and that intercedes for me on behalf of the Father. He has already won. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the just, Jesus the mighty God. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I am secure tonight in the hands of Jesus, the mighty God. Isaiah also tells us that Jesus will be called the everlasting Father. We just read in John 10 and verse 30, it says, I and my Father are one. We're one. In Philippians 2, 6, it says, Who be in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. Uh, Jesus and God are one. Uh, he is equal with God. Uh, oh, the Word was in the beginning and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He is the everlasting Father. Not only that, but Jesus is uh, the Prince of Peace. Uh, and it's through Him that we have peace uh, with God. Uh, oh, the day that you accept Jesus as your Savior, you, you receive that peace uh, with God. You're no longer enemies, but you've been given the right to be called the sons of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Glory to God. We have peace of God through the prince of peace. We can have peace in every circumstances every situation, every day. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, In the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, and keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm very happy to say that I know Jesus. I, I, I'm so happy to be able to say, I know he's wonderful. I know He's a counselor. I know he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. If you've not met this Jesus, 
then I urge you to meet him today. Or you can call upon the Lord and ask him to save you today. Oh, by simply admitting that you're a sinner, realizing that your sins have separated you from a holy God. Oh, but you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then you must call to the Lord and confess that to him that you put your faith in him if you're not saved would you please call out to him and be saved today you don't have to be in church to do that all you have to do is just call out to the Lord and he'll save you Jesus all these names that speak of him it just tells us that he's all we need He's all I need. He's all you need. He's all the world needs. What and who Christmas is about is far greater than any family get-together, any manger scene, any gift swapping, any parades, or any entertainment that you might pursue this time of year. Can I ask you a question? Do you know him? If you do know him, could you give a good description of Jesus to someone else which would cause them to want to know him more? Does your life, does your desires, do your plans reflect the fact that you know him? Jesus is all we need. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he's everything in between. Let's not forget to make much of Jesus during this holiday season.